Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host Joey. No chill, pray now. Hello, Andy. Good morning, Joe. How's it going out there in Cincinnati, Ohio? It's good, man. We are in the middle of some very cold, cold weather. It's it's it was. I know it was snowing. It's also extremely cold. Looking right now, it is twenty-three degrees. Oh, buddy. So the highs for the next few days, if anybody cares, are 30, 28, 25, 16, and 21. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it'll make you sneeze, man. Yeah, it'll give you coldness. A- it, we are um, we're struggling a little bit out here with some uh, some violent weather at the same time. Uh, I'll check it for you because I haven't ventured out today. It's 57. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, it's, as far as Los Angeles goes, I mean, there are some people that are that are really struggling with this. No one's got parkas. You know, we don't have we don't have chili restaurants that we can just go to for a warm bowl of chili. Um, so I hear I hear you and I feel your pain. Yeah, you sympathize. I do. I can feel the empathy through the air, Joe. Yeah. Now we got 10 inches of snow and I was loving that. Tuesday night, I popped an edible. I knew we were going to get some snow, and I just kept going out there and checking it. My neighbors probably thought I was crazy because I kept measuring it with the measuring stick barefoot. 12, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I don't think anybody you, was up. You, you don't trust the uh, you don't trust the weather reports. You needed you needed the actual measurement yourself. Yeah, well, there's something about you know different areas of town are going to get a different fluctuation of snow and. Something did you about call, did you call into the local station? Just, just so you know, here we got 10 inches. I didn't. And again, I was feeling good because I had I had a, a, a minor edible. I had a one of those mints. It's only two and a half milligrams. And I grabbed the measuring, uh, the tape measure. And I always think of Goldberg, always talks about measuring his junk from uh behind the, yeah, but the bottle. So that makes me laugh. And then we got another about four inches. It hit hard starting at about 2.30 yesterday afternoon. And uh, I can officially say I've gotten my car stuck now twice yesterday in the snow. In the driveway? No. Well, the dirt balls will appreciate this story. My brother Elliot had to. He didn't have to. I'm going to change that. He decided that yesterday was the day he's having issues with one of his cars to take it in. And he asked if I could take him from the mechanic i tell him dude there's a hundred percent chance of rain slash snow don't go to the mechanic because his car had an electrical issue with his windshield wipers so my thing was do not drive if you can't use windshield wipers that you're getting fixed i was out earlier yesterday it was one of those you know when it's in the 20s and it's raining snow it's like frozen sleet type of stuff he ignores me he goes he calls me. At this point, it's been snowing hard for an hour. 
And he's like, I'm at the mechanic, which isn't too far from me, but also you've been here. There's a ton of hills in this, in this city. And especially where I live, I'm thinking like, is this the smart move with my little Corolla hatchback? It definitely wasn't. I went against my instincts. My instincts were stay in. Sorry, brother. You, you shouldn't have gone. I don't know what to tell you. You're going to have to figure out a different way to get back from the mechanic. I went and it was a big mistake. So, so I got stuck after I picked him up, I got stuck on one Hill. He had to get out and push the car. So I had to do like a U-turn Joe to go back down the Hill. And then once we went to where he was going, his wife's parents to borrow their car, which has, you know, it's an SUV. So it's way better traction because he's borrowing it while his is in the shop. I accidentally went down the wrong way, even though he was following me and he's like, where are you going? And then I got stuck again. Luckily, there was there was a sheriff with a tow truck that so many people were getting stuck and he saw me. He's like, dude, you got to back it up and then try to go this way. So I got stuck twice on taking him to the mechanic, learned my lesson. We had to take all the back roads to get back to the house, which still involved hills. And let's just say a tiny little Corolla hatchback is not meant for this weather. You've already been in the Midwest too long. Your, your, your Midwest sensibilities are raging. You're like, the dirt balls will appreciate this. And then a five-minute story about how you don't understand how fucking snow works and your brother doesn't understand how snow works. Yeah, keep, keep your fucking your hatchback in the driveway. Also, doesn't Walt have an SUV in the garage? He does. What are but- you doing? What kind of hero? Sh- like, what kind of weird... Midwest like hero get like not only am I gonna do it, I'm gonna do it in the hatchback. Well, look, technically, I that car, my brother, after my dad passed, is technically the legal owner. And that brother, he who shall not be named, you know who he is, would not be happy if I did something to that car. His name rhymes with sad. So anyway, uh you know, and to be honest, I didn't even think about that. I probably already knew you're right. Had I driven my dad's old Acura, it's not even old, you know, it's like two years old. It would have been fine, but I wasn't thinking and I learned my lesson and also cut me a little slack, Joe. I haven't been around cold weather for so long. Like I forgot, Hey man, it can get difficult to drive when you're adding up the inches of snow. Yes. I haven't been around it in even longer than you, but I know that. Yeah. So, uh, big, big L for me on that one. And, uh, you know, when it's 20 degrees out, just basically go where you need to go until they clear the roads. And, uh, it's going to be like that for a minute now, but I, I will say I'm enjoying it. I'm actually enjoying all the snow and the cold. It's just something different. Are you solo at your place? Like, are you just hunkered down at Walt street eating edibles? For the most part, this is very Jack Nicholson in The Shining, but I do hit the treadmill hard. Okay, so like I'm doing some I want people to know I'm doing some exercise like I'll I'll hit the treadmill for five or six miles every day. At least I thought about just going full Rocky Four and like dragging some logs through the snow in some in some in some boots. It's a good idea. Get get your outside workout on. I I actually have that hatchback to some chains and drag it up the driveway. (laughs) 
I did do an outside run last week and I have been thinking about it. Something about when that cold air hits your lungs makes you feel like a man. Right? You got to breathe through your nose. It's, it's God, it's, man. The the post football season dirty sports. All it takes. We're literally just talking about this episode. Andy appreciates winter. Yeah. And Andy versus winter. <laughs> when football season ends, especially before baseball season starts, it gets dicey. Today on the Dirty Sports, Andy and Joe talk winter. <laughs> I know, man. I know. This is where we're at. Come along for the ride, dirt balls, though. This is every year. We'll, we'll mix it up. Also, let's not forget, though, these are the times where I know for a fact it was February a few years ago when the whole Gary Coleman rabbit hole happened. Right. <laughs> So you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes you're going to get great moments in dirty sports history. Sometimes you're just going to get Andy describing snow. Yeah. It's white. It's uh, it's like rain, but it freezes. It falls from the sky. It sticks. Cars have trouble in it. I'm locked down. We can talk some sports, Joe. We were talking before the show. You asked me if I'd seen the Russell Wilson article. And I thought you were talking about the ringer one, which I read. You were talking about GQ. Uh, I think it's GQ. I don't know. I just uh, I got up late today and have was just making them coffee pre-show and just quickly scrolling Twitter. And it seemed like there was an article. I guess it's about it's it's GQ or one of those, you know, one of those fancy fashion mags. That's like, yeah, it's GQ. Yeah. And apparently it's all about Russ and his relationship. Well, he's been more open about his frustrations and he went on the Dan Patrick show uh, and and he even openly said, you know, I assume I'm going to be here, but you never like he basically said, you never know with football as far as right. being traded. And there was reports that I guess people were reaching out to them just because it seems like everybody is on the market in some sense and that the reports were that people reached out to the Seahawks and the Seahawks were basically not interested in taking calls. And then, you know, we're, we're in the, we're in the time of, of it, it, across all sports at this point of player empowerment. So it seems like Russ is jumping into the mix and getting involved in the like, Oh, I can, you know, express my displeasure with some things and hopefully that will cause them to fix them if they think I'm, you know, going to go the full get me out of here route, which is a little ridiculous, to be honest with you. It's like, the, you know, we're talking about the player empowerment era of Stafford wanting out of Detroit, Watson wanting out of Houston and Russell Wilson wanting out of the Seattle Seahawks. And I don't think that, he is, by the yeah. way. Let, no, I, but it seems like he's playing that card. Let, let me just play. This is just a quick minute clip. This is from yesterday. I'm sorry, two days ago uh, when he went on Dan Patrick's show. Yeah, I definitely believe they've gotten calls for sure. I, mean, I think that, uh, you know, anything, anytime you're, um, you know, you know, uh, a player that, you know, tries to produce every week and has done it for, you know, consistently. Real, real quick, sorry. He was the question was 
if he has gotten calls, if the Seahawks have gotten calls about trading him. That's right. I didn't, I didn't say that first. Suddenly, I think people are going to call for sure. And I think it's part of the process. Yeah, but you're a franchise quarterback. You're a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're not available, are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm available or not. That's a, that's a Seahawks <laughs> question. But I think also, I think more than anything else is, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you, you want to win. You know, you play this game every day to wake up to win. You play this game, you know, to, to be the best in the world. You know, I, you know what I hate? I hate sitting there watching other guys play the game. <laughs> I, it's nothing worse. By the way, you, you looked know, think, miserable at the Super Bowl watching. Yeah, there's the game. a picture. There's a picture, there's a picture of Sierra and Roger talking. I'm sitting there, just, uh, watching this game, like you know, wishing that I was in there uh, playing. Uh, so, you know, I think that, um, I think that, you know, ultimately, you, you watch the games and you, you know, you want to do everything you can to be there. That's why we play this game, you know. And so- All right. So obviously, it sounds like they have been getting some calls, but. I don't think he'd want to leave there. I don't know why you would. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't. And that he is just using this as an opportunity to express what he's unhappy about or hint at it. I know there's the quote about, I'm not happy about how much I've been getting hit and all that. And to be honest, like, I don't care what any of these guys say. Like, you know, if Russell wants to speak his mind, if he thinks this is like effective, then go for it. But at the same time, it's like you're in a very well-run organization and you got a Super Bowl early that was, you know, certainly a defensive Super Bowl. Like he's on the map because of the team he joined. Now he has grown into being a great quarterback in the league. But like the idea of like hinting at your relate your your franchise issues on a franchise that to me in some aspects made you, I don't know. But again, it's the days of player empowerment. So like everybody's gonna talk, everybody's gonna have an opinion. Obviously, he has his GQ article coming out. He's got you know, all this stuff. So he's doing the rounds. He's doing the, you know, we've got the Walter Payton award. So he's at the Super Bowl. He's doing the press. He's doing the GQ thing. You know, you're going to have to answer questions. So I, I understand it to some point, but at the same time, it's like, where are you going to go? Who, who's got a better situation than you that also needs a quarterback and wants to trade? Like we're talking about Deshaun Watson to the Jets. You know what I mean? It's pretty much like a sideways move of terribleness. I don't think, you know, the the joke yesterday was everybody was doing the Russell to the Patriots meme. Okay. I don't think they're doing that. Yeah. Well, like I said, I read a ringer article earlier this morning written by Kalen Jones. I thought it was pretty good because it does a deep dive into the numbers and the analytics. And basically it says what a lot of people think, you know, it's not just the O-line. It's not just him. It's a combination. And, and, I, and I've now, and that's where I'm at with Russ, is you got to get rid of the ball more, but you also got to protect the guy a little more. And, and both things can be prevalent with well, him. And my thing with Russ is if you, di- if you dive deep, and I didn't read the Ringer article, but one of my favorite things is there's a, I don't know if it's an NFL website or who, but there's NFL next gen stats website. And if you, if you go to this next gen stats website and you click on passing the very first 
uh, stat that they consider a next gen passing stat is time to throw. And the thing with Russell is his numbers in time to throw on for, for the year are already above average. But when you dive deep into that and you look at him, you look at a game to game basis, it's crazy how much like some guys are at, you know, 2.6 seconds to throw and the whole year they're kind of around 2.6, 2.5, 2.7. And that averages out to a 2.6. When Russell's playing well, he gets rid of the ball fast. And when Russell's not playing well and the Seahawks are not doing well, he's over three seconds. He's in 3.1, 3.2, 3.3. And the number three, when it comes to this, if you're over three, that's just bad company. And he's been that for seasons before. But the thing with Russell is like, it's, it's not just that he holds the ball too long. It's that he holds the ball, especially too long when things aren't going well. And he's, I don't know whether that's because they're getting to him too much and because he's scrambling and because whatever, but like we saw in the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl came down to one guy running around trying to make plays happen. And the other guy getting rid of the ball as fast as anybody's gotten rid of the ball. And he's 40, whatever years old, and he's completely untouched in a Super Bowl because he's getting rid of the ball. So I think there's also the gap in how in how much Russell can sway from one way to the other. And it still averages out to above average. You can't have these games where you're holding the ball for three and a half seconds and, you know, losing in the playoffs to the Rams because of it. Well, here's some quick numbers, I think, that kind of reveal everything from this article. So according to Pro Football Focus, and I trust a lot of their stats, Wilson was responsible for 14 of his 47 sacks, which is tied for second most among passers. That's not good. Right. So second most in the whole league, he's responsible. However, he was also pressured on 38% of his dropbacks, which was fourth most. So right, so you have like two interesting stats, right, Brano? He's holding on to it too long. He's responsible. He's also pressured the fourth most of any quarterback. And here's another crazy one. He actually finished third among all passers with throwaways at 25. So somebody would probably say back, well, he's still getting rid of the ball, the third most as far as throwaways. So it's look, it's a combination of all that. He set career high touchdown passes and also interceptions. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he, 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 he had a, he had a dichotomy going on of multiple things, but my take would be as a guy who is obviously a huge Russell Wilson fan is you've got to get rid of the ball quicker. Um, this would be my take moving forward. You are admiring how well the bucks and Tom Brady are playing. And obviously their O-line was great, but he's also getting rid of the ball quicker. So Yeah. And I agree with your point as far as the Seahawks as an organization. Dude, come on. Your worst record in nine years has been nine and seven. You have a great team behind you. We'll see. He was in charge. He wasn't in charge. He had a huge say in who they hire for offensive coordinator. Yeah. And apparently, I didn't know this until I read the article, um, who they hired as an offensive coordinator. Um, he was apparently the passing right the passing guy under the Rams. Right. I don't I don't know these terms anymore. He was the uh 
passing coordinator. Yeah, which is like a whole thing that's just popped up in recent years, right? So we'll see. But yeah, where where you want to go, man? Because they always talk about Ciara and uh, New York, and it's like, okay, your options are Giants or Jets, right? Who's better suited right now, right? And and the thing is, if Russell Wilson thinks that the Seahawks line is bad, you don't want to come to the New York Giants. That's a whole other world of shit. Yeah, that you are dealing with. And the other thing, you know, about the Seahawks is obviously Pete Carroll's uh, regime, you know, pretty much coincides with uh, Russell's regime. But when you go back in the Seahawks history, I mean, if you go back to basically the 2000s, with the exception of a 5-11 and 11 and a 4-12 and 12 season, they're a pretty good football team, you know, like they have a downturn after going to Super Bowl, winning divisions multiple times in a row, you know, losing uh, with Matt Hasselbeck. Like this isn't a poorly run organization prior to Pete Carroll. I agree. You know, they, they have they have a little downturn, which obviously leads them to hiring Pete Carroll, you know, but for the most part, it's a very well-run organization for the last 20 football seasons. I mean, you have a Super Bowl appearance pr- prior to both of these guys there. And so the idea of your frustration with this organization, and, and like you said, even that article goes, goes to say it, like it's, this is a two-way street. This pressure situation is on the offensive line and on the quarterback. And the thing that, that is all obviously the quarterback is the, you know, headline grabber. He's doing the GQ articles. He's winning Walter Payton man of the year. He's dating a pop star, blah, blah, blah. But you, you know, the line isn't just the line. Those are guys too. And you, you always got to worry about the disconnect between the, the quarterback and his line when he's going on national radio and saying, I'm not being protected enough. And the Lions going, hey, man, the numbers say you also should throw the fucking ball faster. Yeah. So it's a two-way street, and we're sure. not out there doing Dan Patrick throwing you under the bus. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. Well, Russ is doing GQ, and think about Russ, whether you like him or not. I think he's always been a very fashionable guy. That's why I think Russ should even up his fashion game more by getting one of these great movement watches, Joe. I love my movement watch. I got it a f- few months ago. Absolute, it absolutely helped my game because God knows I need help with my fashion because uh, you've seen what I wear, Joe, and it's pretty pathetic. I, I agree. I think, I think the, the, the movement watch could change the history of the Seahawks franchise. Get a movement watch, Russ check it and throw the ball before the second hand gets to three. (laughs) That's actually a great idea. Use the watch to just elevate your game on the field and off the field while being fashionable. Yeah, exactly. I love that guys. Now movement has even expanded into blue light glasses that protect your eyes from your screens, minimalist jewelry, and more style essentials that don't break the bank all designed out of their California headquarters. I think movement, it's a, it's a really cool story also. Uh, it, it actually started in a tiny apartment, kind of like where we used to be headquartered in the smut studio. 
two college dropouts created movement and, and look how great uh, they've expanded and obviously become a, a national worldwide brand. That's kind of the national and worldwide brand, I should say. Guys, if you want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank, that's the best part. It's affordable. Then join the movement and go and get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com forward slash dirty. Again, that's mvmt.com forward slash dirty. Okay, Brano. Did you did you see any of the uh did you see any of the parade? I only saw the clip of Brady throwing the trophy, and then I saw the clip of Brady uh walking off the boat dock hammer. Lit. Lit. Yeah. yeah. And then I saw a new clip of him lit holding his daughter. Like I was like, can you even hold her? And he went to like give uh I forget who it was in the box, but but give them some you know high fives. And I was like, he is lit. Now I see Brady's been taking a lot of flack lately about the mask situation. About the what situation? The lack of mask. All all oh. the all the people are upset about that. I mean, first of all, this is all happening in Florida. So but he's out, you know, he's outside. Like a lot of people were upset that he walked into the stadium. And, I, and by the way, I shouldn't say a lot of people. A certain number of people. He walked into the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium without a mask. Now he technically doesn't have to wear one. Right. Also, like no one's surprised by this, right? Is anybody surprised that Tom Brady's an anti-mask Karen? But I, but I don't. But see, that's where I want to say we don't know that. We don't know that, do we? Well, I, I mean, I think I think the 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 standard for a guy like Tom Brady is completely different than everybody else in the world. Like you got to know there's a million cameras on you as you walk into the stadium for the Super Bowl. So so, I mean, every single thing that Tom Brady has done as, as long as I can remember besides maybe kissing his son on the mouth, uh, seems very calculated. You know, it seems like he's very aware of what to say, what not to say, you know, Tom Brady has been doing this a long time. Tom Brady's, you know, got the supermodel wife, Tom Brady's got, you know, anti-aging medicine, Tom Brady, like Tom Brady's got Botox. Tom Brady's very aware of what's he's, he's looking like every second of the day. When you don't wear it to me, the idea that he just is like, well, you know, those are the rules, you know, like Russell Wilson, like you said, is in the owner's box with his mask on, like, I, I just think it's very calculated. So for him not to do it, yeah, I think it's fair to say Tom Brady's an anti-masker. Well, it's funny to me because people all, I don't know, people always want to, like, like in this situation, it's different him celebrating or walking to stadium without a mask than the guy at the grocery store. To me, those are, those are two different things. Do you see my point there? Absolutely. Like when of you walk into the grocery store, there's a giant sign that says you must wear a mask. And I, I don't know. And obviously I'm sensitive to this issue more than anybody, but I also, it's tough for me when I see certain things on social and I, and I shouldn't care, but I'm just bringing it up because it has turned into this thing about him. 
it's all intertwined about Brady, in my opinion. Like as this goat discussion happens more and the greatest football player of all time. And now there's a discussion of greatest greatest athlete on the team sports of all time. And and I just think there, there's so many different ways you can take it with him, right, Joe? And especially the athlete discussion. Because I that's where I don't know where I'm at with Brady. I, I, I think he's the goat, obviously, in football. But like when you start bringing up athlete, then. It gets- I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't even necessarily agree. I I think he's the goat quarterback at this. OK, point. OK, OK. Yeah, yeah. That's what, you know I mean. what I mean. Like the the goat in football, like it's so unfair to judge a guy as the greatest football player of all time when he plays a position where literally if you touch him, you will be penalized. And. You know, the the Barry Sanders of the world, the Jerry Rice's of the world. These guys are playing, you know, skill positions. Right. So that's the next level. Now, then we're talking about the Lawrence Taylors of the world uh, who are, you know, involved in a medium speed car wreck every single play of, of the game. Then, then we're talking about offensive and defensive linemen. Like to me, the idea of judging a quarterback as the greatest football player of all time, because he's, he, you know, has five Super Bowl MVPs. Well, let me ask you something, this game and many other football games, especially Super Bowls have been determined fully in the trenches of offensive defensive linemen. No offensive lineman has ever won an MVP award at any level in the, in a Super Bowl, in a, in a playoff game, in a first season, any of that stuff. And yeah, they work as a team. So to me, I'm just like, I'm not even, I don't even go there with greatest football player of all time. It's kind of a little bit offensive. Look, and I, and I don't mind that. I don't know where I go with it either. I think Jerry Rice is the greatest offensive football player in history. And I think Lawrence Taylor is the greatest defensive football player in history. And I think Tom Brady is the GOAT quarterback. Yeah. And, I, and by the way, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I just think that, you know, I don't know if you've fallen, like that's kind of where this conversation is now going as far as the greatest team sport. And again, even the term athlete. And, and even that, like, obviously the quarterback is by far the most important player on the field. We are, we are, you know, at this point, we are long, you know, down the road of being, saying how important the quarterback is. We talk quarterbacks on the show, you know, extensively because it is the most important position, but most important and most valuable is, you know, uh, one conversation, all that being said, no quarterback is more responsible for wins and losses than the single best player on any basketball team. Yeah. Kawhi is more valuable to every basketball team he's ever been on than Tom Brady is to any football team he's ever been on. Yeah, LeBron James, Michael Jordan. It's not even close. So, I mean, the, the responsibility in terms of how much offensive production those guys are responsible for, the fact that they play defense. You know, Tom Brady in the end is still only playing half the game. Yeah. So, no, I, no, I agree. You know, this, this, I, I understand the legacy question. No one's ever done, you know, what he's done in his. That's fine, but like. The great now we're going greatest team athlete ever. No, that's that's why I'm bringing and then up. I saw people saying greatest athlete ever, and of course you had like the Serena folks and the, you know the Michael Phelps folks and all that. It's just like to me like 
can we just call him the greatest quarterback of all time and just like leave? You know, I think that's sufficient. Well, yeah, because to me, the term athlete is so that's a that's a like that's a whole other discussion, right? Yeah, because like you could argue, dude, Antonio Brown's a better athlete than you. Right. We you, talk you, about we you know, we talk about it all the time with like like golf, like our golfers athletes. You know what I mean? And I'd say that Tom Brady is closer to a golfer than he is to DK Metcalf. Yeah. And, and, and that doesn't mean that Brady's not athletic. Obviously he's a seven time Super Bowl winner in, in the, the NFL, but yeah, I, I see your point. Like the term athletic is such a broad generic term. And there are so many good athletes out there, but yeah, the conversation has definitely really taken off. And, and, and that's where I, I do think it is good to just be like, look, when I say go, at least for me too, I'm in your, I, I don't even know who I would say is the, the goat football player. I'm just saying, Hey, to me, he's the best quarterback that we've had. And you know, his numbers back it up. That's, that's all I'm saying. Once, once you start going within the sport and then cross sports, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Cause it's so difficult, right? Yeah. Especially with individual sports. And then everybody wants to choose a side and get so defensive about it. As far as, you know, race, gender, individual sports versus team sports. They're, they're, it's just too much. It's too big of a discussion. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. I saw, you know, they're still not the Super Bowl. It's still the cheese for next year. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see how everything unfolds. And some people were trying to give Mahomes. I didn't think Mahomes did it all. Some people were trying to say Mahomes threw his team under the bus. Why? What did, what did he say? Saying guys, he, oh, he took blame, but he also said receivers weren't running certain routes, right. Or weren't going where they should go. But he also said, I need to play better. I don't know. A lot of people were like, if Cam said, well, I saw a lot of if Cam said this, if Cam said this, Mahomes gets passes all the time. And, but then, but you know, typically the thing is, and I'm all, I'm here for those discussions. I'm here for the, you know, Tom Brady's allowed to go on the sideline and throw his helmet and spit in the face of his offense coordinator. And he's fiery and Odell Beckham throws his helmet and he's a diva. Like I'm here for the discussion of, you know, I love the, the family guy meme where it's like, this person's a freedom fighter, a protester, a criminal, like, you know, and we're doing the color change. Like I'm here for that discussion, but what I don't understand your point. If cam said it versus Mahomes said it, you're, so this is not, now you're not making it a racial issue, correct? No, it has nothing to do with race. People were saying that cam gets so much flack. Like they were bringing back the super bowl when he lost, he got so much flack. Then Mahomes said some similar things like, Hey, you know, they got to run better routes or whatever he said. And people were saying, oh, but but Mahomes, the poster child just gets a pass because he's Mahomes. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand. Like, I don't understand that take because your your explanation is what? What is the difference between Cam and Mahomes? like, oh, so people like Mahomes and don't like Cam? Well, people okay. are allowed to not like those guys. The, the conversation of we're getting judged on different you know, uh, in different ways because of race or whatever is one thing, but like the idea, it's like, 
well, this black quarterback's a poster child and this black quarterback isn't liked. So now I just don't even understand that conversation. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, I read the full article and I read all his quotes. I don't think Mahomes did anything. Cam defenders are some of the weirdest people on they the re- internet. Yeah. Cam defenders are Carmelo defenders. Like that's a circle. That Venn diagram is a circle. Yeah, that's a good point. Can't, yeah, I see that. And then Jameis Winston defenders are living in Mars. Like yeah. they're, they're already there. Yeah. They're, they're not even on planet Earth. They're so far removed. And I think what it tends to be too is, and I hate this, that, that this is the age of sports that we live in. But like back in the day, you really just had what your eyes showed you and what the stats showed you when they flashed them on the screen. You know what I mean? I think people have too much. Um, they, they've, they've got too much access to all the numbers. And like we said last week or last episode, you can cherry pick the numbers that fit your thing. And these guys who just cherry pick, you know, cam stats or cherry pick Carmelo stats and go, this is why he's great. It's like, man, the, the game is a lot more than stats. And if, and if you're basing, everything on you thought this guy was really good in college he put up gaudy stats in the pros and therefore he is one of the greatest of all time it's like get the fuck out of here cam it you know he he's a certain kind of quarterback but the idea that there are these people and like don't forget i'm still blocked by mike freeman because he, he wanted Cam to get the MVP last year through like seven games. <laughs> like the the idea that there's these people that just like ride or die defend these guys. It's like, you know, get off the Internet and start watching games like Cam. Not for one second has been in Patrick Mahomes class when it comes to quarterback play. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the NBA. I've actually been watching more watching those Lakers games and uh, they're rolling. I think they've won five or six in a row, three straight overtime games, four overtime periods yeah. played in those games. You know, I said it a couple of weeks ago and you, you, you know, you, you gave me the blinking guy meme, but I, I mean the talk, the rumbling was there for the advanced analytics people. And now it's becoming more and more of a, you know, a popular conversation, but LeBron James is back in the MVP race. I, yeah, I, you know what? I did. I was like, really? And then I've been watching more of those games. I mean, he's got, he's got a three-point shot. It's the best he's ever shot percentage-wise from deep. Those threes have helped him in these overtime games, especially last night to tie it up, to send it in overtime. Crazy, man. The game has just evolved for him so much. By the way, these guys, how they can shoot is just, just in general. Like, I'm watching that Mavs-Hawks game last night. And that was a good back and forth fun game too. I don't know if you caught any of it, but mm-hmm. uh, it came down to the end. And just, just seeing these guys, seeing Trey Young, just go, like, there, I feel like there's nowhere on the court where these guys can't shoot. Yeah, Did especially you, the, the, the especially the Trey Youngs, the staffs, like the shooter shooter types. It really is like we are now, we've now pushed the limits of it. We're we're in the realm of are we adding the four point shot? Did you see what Kevin Garnett said about the modern NBA? I did. It seemed like, uh, you mean, you can read the quote, but it, it did. It almost seemed like a two-way compliment. Like it was like a compliment and a diss simultaneously. It was. So 
This is in a New York Times question and answer article. And I'll just read the whole quote because I think it is interesting because I agree with you. He disses, but he also compliments. On the question, what's your take on the current state of the NBA? He said, the game is at another level. I know you said that you made the team with Vancouver, but I want you to get on a court, sprint corner to corner, stop on a dime and shoot a three. I want you to do 10 of those. Then I want you to focus on how tired you are because these players do that for 48 minutes. I don't think guys from 20 years ago could play in this game. But then he takes a diss, right, Joe? This is what you're talking about. 20 years ago, guys used their hands to control players. Now you can't use your hands. That makes defense damn near impossible. Can you imagine not hand-checking Michael Jordan? Nah. The fact that you couldn't cut, that you can't touch players gives an offensive player so much flexibility. Defensive players have to take angles away and stuff like that. But if you have any creativity and ambition, you can be a great offensive player in this league. And then he goes on to say, the fadeaways, one-leg runners, the one-leg balance shots, that's stuff that Dirk brought to our game. And now when I see, now when I watch Joker play, it feels like he has taken that Dirkness and mixed it in with his own talent. Steph Curry revolutionized things with being able to shoot from long distance with such consistency. Clay Thompson, Dame Lillard, these guards changed the game. I don't know if even the guards from 20 to 30 years ago could play in this time right now. It's creative. It's competitive. It's saucy. You'll get dropped. Um, you get dropped on your ass and they'll cross you over and break your ACL these days. The game is at a real great place. So you're right. That's a long quote. I, mean, I think, I think more, he's more, he's more, you know, hyping it up than he is taking a dig at it. I think that uh, you got to give Kevin Garnett props. He's not, He's not going full 90s guy, full 80s, 90s, 2000s guy. He's, uh, oh, you know, Trey Young's got a nice little game, but he'd be dead the, f- the first time Bill Lambeer put hands on him. Uh, you know, like, I- I- I'm glad that he didn't go that full route. Those are the most embarrassing takes in all of sports history. Um, I stand by that. Like, we, I, there, are, there are some bad hot takes in the universe, but nothing worse than you know, the Sam Tripley's of the world. These guys could never play in the nineties. It's the worst take in the history of sports. I agree. And, and it's like, it, it exposes you as somebody who either doesn't watch the game or stopped watching the game or is just like a weird old head. So I'm glad Kevin Garnett didn't go fully that route. And I, and I agree with him to some sense, like, you know, he brings up Michael Jordan, obviously, because that's a guy who was so skilled at his time that he absolutely could play today. He absolutely could. And I agree also with his point that the the guys who are not Michael Jordan in 20 and 30 years ago have no have no, you know, chance of playing today. They're not skilled enough. They're not athletic enough. They're not whatever. You know, the same thing could be said, though, about like the one little thing he gets there, because everybody it's 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 amazing what Michael Jordan did to these guys psychologically. It's like Kevin Garnett will say everything about how you couldn't play, but then he's got to make sure to say like, but Michael, but Michael, like Michael Jordan hypnotized every single guy he ever played with. And he's like, from now until you die, you'll, whatever happens in basketball, you'll just say that I would still dominate though. And the thing is like, yeah, if guys couldn't hand check Michael Jordan, great. He'd score a lot of points. They'd also be all twos. So how many points would he score? Yeah. Well then obviously the argument 
everyone's gonna say, oh, he'd evolve. He he would get a three point shot. And- well, he I would if I were him, I would have evolved when Reggie Miller was a five time All Star, only shooting threes. I would have evolved when you got when the biggest moment in your career was you hitting six threes and a half and then turning it into a commercial where you're like, I literally like, let's not pretend Michael Jordan didn't shoot threes when he needed to. And when he wanted to, and the idea that, Oh, Michael Jordan, first of all, you know, when a good time to evolve would have been when they moved the three point shot, two feet closer, that would have been a good time to add it to your repertoire. That is that, by the way, that always to me is it shows how far the game has come as far as from the long ball. And I know we talked about it during the last dance, but the fact that Michael was it six or seven threes against Portland, it was six threes and a half. The fact that he was like, he was like, I don't know what's like, this is, this is some fucking space jam shit. The fact that like six threes and a half Steph's done it 41 times in his career (laughs) was such a big deal. That's my point in that. Now the frequency and the barrage of guys hitting threes not just the staffs or, you know, the Trey Young's like, I'm talking like guys can shoot anywhere, Luca, you know, like, yeah, the, you know, the, the bigs, I mean, fuck, uh, does Brooke Lopez have a six, three game? I bet he does. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's, it's just, uh, it's nuts how much it's evolved. I mean, I, I'm not even joking. I don't know if you're going to have to raise the hoop at a certain point because the guys are just too damn good. And they're too damn athletic. At what point do you say, hey, man, we got to go up to 10 and a half or something? I mean, I think the problem is, or I shouldn't say the problem, but like, what is the problem? Like, isn't it awesome? Like, I don't think this is, I don't think this is something that needs to be capped. We're not playing 140, 140 basketball games. This isn't Suns Warriors in, you know, 1989, where no one's playing defense. Like, I know everybody was saying the 90s, dude, you know, Check out a fucking Don Nelson Warriors team that's scoring 140 points a game. Like there was a time they, those guys didn't play shit for defense either. Yeah, there's there's literally you know there's two squads known for playing defense in the 90s, and now it's like if you came through the lane, you were getting hit with a fucking club. Somebody <laughs> tell that somebody tell that to fucking Tim Hardaway and and Chris Mullen who and and. Latrell Spiro, who are all averaging 20 points a game because no one fucking stopped them. Yeah. No, I know. John Stockton's in the goddamn Hall of Fame. (laughs) It it definitely goes back to people who weren't watching the sport. I agree. That might be my my. The all time worst take might be the old heads with the 90s basketball. So it's the worst take in the history of sports. It like and, you know we've all seen the meme whenever anybody pers- puts anything liberal like that, you know, here come these guys in the comments and it's all the guys who take the picture with their hat on and their wraparound sunglasses in their car, which it's amazing that there's enough of those pictures to even make that compilation meme. But like, those are the guys. And this is a great transition into what I assume is our next story. But like, those are the guys who are like, it would never happen in the nineties NBA. Meanwhile, in the nineties, you were still fucking racist and screaming how they all travel and you know, that you don't want to see all this. Like there's this long article about, you know, the cell, the, the, the history of racism in Boston and all this stuff. It's like, 
the same people that were yelling the N-word at every Celtics fan leaving the thing are the guys who were saying, like, no one was beating McHale and Parrish and Bird. It's like you weren't even watching then. That's the thing. It's like you weren't they weren't even watching then. Well, I guess you want to let's segue into the national anthem discussion with the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA. And and obviously we've done this. Uh, we've done this a lot. I think you and I have made our points clear. We agree on a lot of extent. We might not necessarily agree on certain things, but, uh, you know, for the most part, my stance, and then I'll let you talk, is the national anthem was hijacked. I don't know when into what I call, you know, a fall patriotic bullshit thing, right? Like it was hijacked and then we had to play it in sports. And if you learn the history, a lot of it, it took time to become and it played at every game, just so people know. One of the big times, they always talk about the 1919 World Series, I believe, or whatever the World Series was, maybe 1917, I think, with Boston and Chicago and how it was so beautiful and we were in the middle of World War One, blah, 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 or it had just finished. And then it eventually turns into a thing where it's played all the time. And I, and I read up again again on it yesterday, and, and that's probably within the last 40 to 50 years. But... You know, my, my point is this on the national anthem. It is political, whether you agree or not to play a national anthem for a sport, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, that has a lot of people not from America. Now, people could argue, hey, we are in America. But my response would be, you don't, and you and I have said this, and you've said this in a lot of ways, pretty funny, a lot funnier than me. Like you're not playing the national anthem when you go to your office job before you sit down at your cubicle. Let's not forget this is their job. This is their job to play basketball. So yeah, I think, yeah. And the thing, and, and, you know, it, it's people always making like false equivalency in terms of whatever, but it, I hate the national anthem. I fucking hate it. Okay. So that's my opinion. And the idea of, Oh, they're not playing it at the office. Just just put your be step outside of the box that you live in and think about what if they did play it at your office? Also, what if they played some song you fucking hate at your office and made you salute it? What if you had to fucking stand up before working at a fucking accounting firm and salute Hoobastank? Like, fuck it. You would be pissed off. You'd be like, what? Like, dude, I'm just getting here. I just got my coffee. I've got my fucking big on the thing. I'm about to fucking do some taxes. And now I got to stand up and hear fucking hoobastank. It'd be preposterous. And the argument that this is anything more than that is like, we can have a national anthem, but to, to force feed it to people is absurd. Yeah. Now, look, I am on record and I'll sing it. I love the national anthem. I think it's a beautiful song. Not everybody agrees. You clearly don't. I think it invokes a lot of good emotion for me, but I also understand a time and a place. So when you're at the Olympics and you're standing on the podium and you're getting that gold medal, they're going to play your national anthem. The guy who's in second place from Germany, they're going to play his national anthem. You know, certain events, maybe a world series or a super bowl whatever it is they only, i don't they only play the winner at the olympics but and rightfully so but okay you're also competing for your country okay yeah yeah so 
r- regardless, but to me, and I and honestly, I look forward to the athlete one day who says that they want to that they've qualified in an Olympic time and don't want to compete for their country. I'm here for that guy too. Just, look, if, just throwing it out there. Again, I, I think it's a great song. When it's done, when somebody like like Whitney Houston does it, or people who've done it, where like it's it's amazing, right? But it has been hijacked. And this notion that it has to be played, I just don't agree with. And we have players from all over the world. Again, I'm already seeing the other side. Joe. I'm trying to hear their argument back. They're going to say, hey, but you're playing in Dallas. You're playing in Houston, in Sacramento, wherever. Those are all in the United States of America. But why does it have to be played before a sports event? That's Here's what I would ask anybody who's, who's so pro-national anthem. And there are members of my family who I've had this discussion and arguments over. I'd say, why? And the minute I hear something like tradition, what does that mean? Yeah. Right? We've been doing something wrong for so long, we have to keep doing it wrong. We, all, we also haven't gotten to the, you know, I think everybody knows what we're talking about, but we haven't even talked about the issue here, which has resurfaced, which is the Mavericks decided to stop playing the national anthem. And just like, here's, here's the most important part of this story. I think just like Colin Kaepernick originally sitting, they didn't announce it. Nobody fucking noticed. This is now only a story because somebody made it a story. Colin Kaepernick only started kneeling after people started asking him why he was sitting. He never went out and said, I'm sitting because this. He answered a question about why he's sitting. So the idea that, you know, these guys are doing political statements on company time, blah, blah, blah. It's bullshit. He didn't do that. He used his freedom as an American and said, I'm fucking sitting. And no one said shit for three or four preseason games. And then somebody asked him about it, and then it turns into something. For all the games this season, the Mavericks have not played the national anthem. And now, only now, we go from it not being a story to now the NBA is stepping in and saying they every team has to play the national anthem. Why? Who was this bothering? Nobody. Yeah, so... No one noticed. I'm sure people noticed, but they didn't even issue a statement to their own staff. If you read the article, which was broken by the athletic, because they were the first people to notice, Hey, the Mavs have not been playing the national anthem. They didn't even say it to the in-house arena staff or people who work for the Mavericks. They just stopped playing it. Like you said, there was no big press release. There was no big hoopla. It was them just deciding by them, owner Mark Cuban, to not play the national anthem. So now Mark Cuban and Mark Cuban is a great owner. Mark Cuban has turned around the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks were a fucking punchline prior to Mark Cuban. Then Dirk Nowitzki, a German, Steve Nash, a Canadian, come in, revamp the team. Nowitzki eventually goes to 
and NBA Finals with them. Then Nowitzki and JJ Barea win a fucking NBA championship. Now Luca and Kristaps Porzingis. Don't you forget the nip. Was Paige on that team? Paige is, yeah, but I'm saying like the yeah. point is there's so many guys. The 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 through line of the Dallas Mavericks is foreign players. And every day the NBA is going to rally around Luca is the next big star. We're going to, you know, we are going to take this guy. We're going to put a spotlight on him. We're going to shine it around the world. Another shining example of why the NBA is the world's game. Look at Luca. He's the next LeBron, blah, 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 blah. Also Luca, we're never going to play your national anthem, but every game you are going to have to sit through ours. Yeah. Because it's happening in America. Well, that would be the argument because it's happening in America now. And, and, and the argument, you know, if you want to dig deep into why it's happening in America, like you want, like we, we can unpack the military industrial complex and why fucking we, we've stomped out everybody that would ever challenge America. Well, here's what's interesting, though, too. Brings me back to my childhood attending a Cincinnati Reds Montreal Expos game. I'll never forget it because I was a you know, young kid. Probably six, seven, no, probably seven, eight, nine years old. And then they played the Canadian national anthem, right? And I remember I was a little confused. Obviously, they're from Canada. They play the Canadian national anthem. But why stop? The, do you see what I'm saying? Like they, they played the American, then they played the Canadian. And I'm thinking, even as a kid, I'm like, okay, well, there's a lot of players in the Reds and Expos from the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, you, you know, you name it. We're, we're playing where the two teams are from based. So look, just remove it. You and I are both on record. We agree there. Just remove it. And, 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 and you, you know, you talked about people who argue tradition. I've also seen. And if you go, you know, if you go under any tweet or any article that this, the guys with the wraparound sunglasses are there saying, here's why you should stand because we are we are honoring the people who fought for your freedom to play basketball, to which I would argue that's bullshit. Are there there's certainly sports in Switzerland, right? Yeah. Who have never engaged in anything. So when they play their national anthem there, is it is it to honor the people that have never fought for anything? Yeah. Or when we play the Canadian national anthem before Raptors games or before hockey games, are we honoring the Canadian troops that have only ever come out like, you know, in, in the, in hundreds because NATO says they have to like, we're the only country that goes around the world, shoving freedom down people's throats and then shoving it down the throats of the people here saying, if you don't stand up and respect the fact that we went over to a different country that wanted nothing to do with us and shove freedom down their throats, then you don't respect your fucking. It's so stupid. Look, it I mean, we don't we're not going to do it. I know what you're saying as far as going down the whole military industrial complex, which. Was a term ironically coined by Republican President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was a general in World War II, becoming president and said to watch out for that in a famous speech he gives in his last few months in office. Look, I, look, here's what's funny, man. I would consider myself 
a very, and we've had discussions and maybe disagreements on the show. I would consider myself a, a proud American. Maybe even you can go as far as patriot if we want to use that term. But I also consider myself reasonable and I also know where the bullshit is. Like I love, I love this country. I love living here. Doesn't mean I couldn't live other places because I could. But I also understand like what Joe's saying, if I can hop on that, of it, it's just propaganda that they ask yourself this. If you're one of these people who is so pro-national anthem, why does the national anthem of our country have to be connected to a basketball game? Yeah, it's nothing to do with it. It's the same, it's, the same thing. Why? What does what does being an enlisted military member have to do with your boarding class on commercial flights? We do these fucking bullshit like homages to people who join the military so for example the guy on our show who shall not be named who is most famous for shitting in his footwear and throwing it into a mcdonald's cannot fucking get into college if they told him the sat questions before he took the fucking exam and now he gets to board a plane before I do. And he and I have to stand and salute him at a basketball game because he was too incompetent to pass the SATs. Suck my dick from the back. All right. Well, look, I, I don't want to take a dig at at military. military? I do. OK, there I am. That's fine. You, you can do that. I'm not going to do that. My point is, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they're all the same. I'm just saying. We treat them like they're all the same. But we I will treat say every person like they're fucking General Patton. I, I will Some say of this them are dipshits who shit in socks. I will say this. I'm big on hypocrisy and I'm big on calling out the bullshit. And this kind of ties into it. We talk about how much we care, but we don't. This is where I get very sensitive and worked up. We don't take care of our troops. My brother served in Iraq. We, we, I, I know what vets get as far as compensation. It's bullshit for risking their life. And, and you want to hear something crazy? We talk about the national anthem and standing. My brother told me something interesting the other day. When he flew to Iraq, he flew first class. After serving six months and going through hell and war, and I can't imagine the, the trauma, on his first leave and then also, so he... Served six months, came home for two-week leave, went back, did six more months. Each time, they put him in coach. To me, that says it all. Do we really care? You have to ask yourself that. Do we really care? We're putting soldiers in coach after they've been in war. Think about that. Like, to me, that's where I get worked up. Like, that's disgusting. It's, it, it's, a, it's a minor thing, but it's a minor thing, which to me is symbolic of not actually taking care of people that we hype up. Do you know what I'm saying, Joe? It's my, all fucking bullshit propaganda. It's, it's all bullshit. And that's my problem. My problem is I'm going to stereotype here, but the person who's all worked up about the national anthem not being played or Dallas Mavericks deciding to play isn't doing something. It's, it's, uh, what, what is the term I heard yesterday from my friend Drew? And, and I love this. I'm going to start using this and I asked him about it. Because it's, uh, I got to find this. 
what's what's the word he used? It is. Uh, I love this outrage theater. Yeah. And, and, and his point was we were talking about a different issue, but I, but I loved using that term right now. Outrage theater, because that's what it is. You're outraged about the national anthem. What are you actually doing for people who served? What are you doing for disabled vets? Do you give time money? No, they, they take their hat off while holding a hot dog and they, and that's it. And they, and they're a patriot and they scream at people on the internet. Exactly. Outrage theater. You're yeah. outraged. Or, or are you more concerned about these people going to war or a bullshit war? Or let's look at the bigger picture. It's again, Andy, it's all the hypocrisy, right? It's all the hypocrisy. Do are you not watching the NBA anymore because it's too political? Or do you demand that we all stand for a political anthem before the game? Which one is it? Pick a lane. You want no more Black Lives Matter on the court and no more national anthem? Or you want the national anthem yeah. and the people who are not nationalists to have their say in politics? You, if, if you think the national anthem should be played before games, you absolutely believe that all the players can do their political message while that political message is going on. That Colin Kaepernick can kneel, that the guys can wear Black Lives Matter shirts, which, by the way, I do especially if we're going to be forcing this. Now, here's a fun one. If the NBA goes, we're not doing politics anymore. We're not playing the national anthem. There will be no U.S. flag there. We will not do commercials for the Army and the Navy and the Air Force during our broadcasts. And we're not doing any Black Lives Matter slogans and we're not doing any equality slogans and we're not doing that. Now, we can unpack whether or not not wanting to be murdered by cops and equality in America is political. We won't do that, though. But if you're going to check that off as a political statement, then fine. Let's remove all the politics. But but you have to pick a lane because here's the thing. Without three commercials, every commercial break for our military during every single college football game. I'm not sure college football is on television. So pick a fucking lane. And the lane is you don't want politics in sports. Then you are 100% okay with somebody saying, we're not playing the national anthem anymore. And I have we're no not going to force, especially foreigners into saluting our flag. And I have no problem with that. If if the NBA or whatever league says, hey, we're not doing anything about the military. We're not doing anything about Black Lives Matter. We're not doing anything about stand up to cancer. Dude, I'm all these people on record saying I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that because it's all political. I mean, it is even you can say what you want. These spins for causes, they're political, even like the stand up to cancer. There's political the that. Month in football where everybody's wearing camouflage, we're wearing mil military garb. That's political. So if they want to remove it all, cool. But but the, I do the, the San Diego Padres having camouflage alternate uniforms because the entire city is a military base. It's political. I, I just think people definitely need to take a step back and look at all the sides of this. And like I said, as someone who 
considers himself like like I love the country, but I also know I don't see the connection where it has to be played. And I'll go one step further, Joe, and we can move on after this. I just coached an entire season of third grade boys basketball. Guess how many times they played the national anthem before our games? Not once, not a single time. It didn't affect the games. Now, did each team, we were in a Catholic league, did each team get at center court before each game and say a Hail Mary? Yeah, but it's a Catholic league. So that's understandable, right? Now, if it was a public school, no. There's a difference between church and state. It's a Catholic school. It's a Catholic school leave or league. So we'd say a prayer and they'd, you know, everybody'd say the Hail Mary and that's fine. And I don't have a problem with that because it's a Catholic league, but the national anthem was not played a single time before one of our games. And it, guess what? It didn't affect a single game. And I didn't feel like I was missing out on something. You know, it's just, it's such a, it's such a, stupid conversation that we're having and that, that this is the story. And then it's especially stupid that the NBA has now stepped in and said, it has to be played. You want to have anger with some sports leagues about politics. This is your opportunity. This is your, this is, this is the first time they have said, we are forcing you to do this. Not, if you disregard it, we are going to be able to fine you. If you disregard it, we're going to be able to spend you on a, on a personal player level. They are telling teams they have to do this. If you are one of those people who has complained about not mixing your sports and politics, boy, do I have a cause for you to fight against. But you're not one of those people because you just mean, I don't want black people's political causes well because they're also, a racist fucking sunglasses and hat wearing fucking dipshit well it also says a lot about the nba in my opinion you know the, i think oh, andy don't you know the nba kowtows to china nba is china's bitch well suddenly the u.s was like hey what about our anthem and, and adam silver stepped in in one day well, and look, we are going to have a, a national anthem for every single basketball game. I do think the NBA is China's bitch. I also think they're America's bitch, too. Correct. They're uh, bitches. They're, the they're bitches to a lot of people. Capitalism's bitch. Yeah. And 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 that's because the NBA is a business. Yeah. End of the end of day. And they're not going to piss off the people in America who go to their games. And they're not going to piss off the way more people in China who watch their games. Yeah, no, it's true. And by piss off the people in China, it just means piss off the head of China who will say we're not airing NBA games here anymore. And whether you like it or not, we're going to cut out, you know, five billion of your fans and cut out a giant TV contract. Yeah. Cut it out, whatever. And the NBA does that for fucking and every sport does that. But if you have a problem with it, if you don't like how the China thing was handled, Boy, do I have a new cause for you. But I have a feeling, and I know we have crossover to this thing, but I have a feeling some of our fans are going to listen to OutKick today, and they're going to be super stoked that they're forcing us 
to play the national anthem because we at the dirty sports podcast aren't hypocrites. Now you should find, figure out if other people that you're listening to are gross hypocrite hypocrites. Well, I am on record saying I'm a hypocrite, but I've accepted it. You know, we're all, in my opinion, we're all hypocrites, but just don't sell hypocrisy to people. Yes. Yes. And don't, don't stand on a soapbox and, you know, maybe that's my get out of jail free card that I use all the time. And maybe people will rightfully call me out on that, but it, it's, it's like the, uh, again, it, it, it comes from both sides of the political aisle and th- there's so much of this cancel from both sides and outrage and fake outrage and all that shit. That, that's why I try not to get too worked up over it because you're right. There is blatant hypocrisy and people push that down other people's throats. And it just goes back to me. As far as my point, it just goes back to what does that basketball, football, baseball, tennis, whatever it is, hockey, what does that have to do with the national anthem? And if you come at me with tradition, there's no substance to that argument. There's just none. If you, and say, if you come at me with, you know, we're doing this to show our respect. That also that holds no water to me. I don't want to respect these people before a basketball game. This doesn't have anything to do with this basketball game. Why am I forced? Why? Why? Why are you forcing me to respect them now? We have we have days and ceremonies. We have fifteen holidays: Memorial Day, Veterans Day, Fourth of July. We have a million opportunities to show our respect for fallen soldiers. The idea that I have to do it before I eat a fucking hot dog at a baseball game is lunacy. And again, at the same token, the idea that I have to stand for people with cancer before a game, it's to me, it's, it really is the same thing. It really is the same thing. You know, I, I, a lot of times it goes back to an older Bill Burr bit, which was great about separating sports from just regular life, right? Sports is our getaway. It is our escape. And sometimes you don't want to be reminded of bad shit, right? Can I just watch a goddamn game? Can I just watch a game without politics, without cancer, without anthems? Can I just watch a game? And, and that's the thing, Andy. What, what is what you take one way, somebody else takes another way, right? Like no one's pro cancer, right? Sure. So everybody's cool with like money being donated to cancer and whatever, including me. Right. But like if somebody in your life has died of cancer, somebody in your life is fighting cancer. And you just you just spent a ton of money to take your son to the all star game. Is this what we have to talk about? Okay, I just spent two thousand dollars to bring my kid to the all star game. Now I got to talk to him about why grandma's dying. The same way as everybody loves a flyover. But you know what those guys are doing right now? Their training mission. You know what happens when they have a real mission? They drop bombs on weddings in Yemen. Yay! Flyovers are cool. 
Now we got to talk to our kid about how we kill brown people because they're brown. Look, we can go many ways with this. It, it would be its own podcast as far as some of these topics, but I think we've set our points. And again, I, I just want people to think these things through without just a hot trigger emotional reaction. Just, just think it through about why something means so much to you. And it has to have substance behind the argument. I'm just, my thing is just stay the course guys, stay the course. If you were anti NBA because of the China thing, get, get after it. Today's your day. Yeah. Today is your day. Go patriotic, be idiotic. Is that a new Joe Prano saying that? I mean, this is, you know, catchy phrases like that. Get woke, go broke. Didn't you hear? Didn't you hear, Andy? It's now go patriotic. You're idiotic. The the NFL had multiple patriotic anthems before the Super Bowl. Multiple televised patriotic anthems. And what happened? Ratings are down because that's the thing. Go patriotic. You're idiotic. That's what I've heard. Ratings are down because of all the woke equality stuff. Well. The Super Bowl was fucking rah-rah Americaville. And spoiler, ratings are down. If you want your sports to continue, get out and fucking remove the national anthem. You know what gets me patriotic, Joe? And you know what really makes me loving the U.S. of A.? And I know it makes you love this country, too. A cold Miller Lite. Love, I love me some beers to sit back, have a crisp, cold Miller Lite, and never think about any of this stuff. Yeah, it's a great way to relax. And I'll tell you what, guys, we are in the home stretch, hopefully, of making this a better year as more people get vaccinated. We get to see friends more, we get to hang out. And one of the first things I know everybody is starting to do, enjoying to do more, is having a cold Miller Lite with friends and family. Joe, when's the last time you had a cold Miller Lite? And tell me what you were doing. I had a cold Miller Lite last night with dinner. I nice. had. Uh, I went over to Andy Lazarus's place for the big game, <laughs> and uh, he got he got some uh, ribs. He got some wings. And he sent me home with uh, a bunch of meat. And uh, last night, I, I cooked up some of those ribs. I, I warmed up some of those wings. And I washed it down with a cold Miller Lite. Dirt balls. Miller Lite. It's available everywhere. And best of all, you can have it delivered. If you don't want to leave your house, if you're stuck in a snowstorm, the middle of the winter like me, you can have it sent directly to your front door. Miller Lite, great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However you and your friends are enjoying Miller time, you can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Okay, we got some dirtball calls. You want to get to them? 
Yeah. Before we do dirtball calls, can I get a couple plugs in? Because I feel like whenever we do plugs at the end of the show, people nope. probably maybe maybe turn them off. Nobody listens. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna get them in pre-calls. A little pre-call plugs. Uh, Go for first it. of all, I uh, one of our dirtball fans uh, invited me to do his bachelor podcast. Ooh. Which I guessed it on last night, and I wanted to shout him out in the show because you know, the 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 dirtball fam you know, they are the backbone of the show. And I never thought I would do, I never thought I would say the words I guested on a bachelor podcast. And I don't think I would have done it if it weren't a dirt ball that invited me to it. So I, I tweeted it today, uh, check out podcasting for the right reasons, uh, which is the bachelor podcast I guested on. And also I am still on Cameo. I've gotten a couple Cameo requests uh, recently for uh, Cameo Valentine's wishes. So if you if you want a Cameo, I'm still on Cameo. There you go. That's my plugs. Nice. All right. Let's uh, let's get to the calls. Dirt balls, dirt ball calls. Dirt balls, dirt ball calls. Dirt balls, dirt ball calls. We got the dirt balls, dirt ball calls. Okay, first up is a sponsored call, sponsored from our friend Reed Dirtball from NorCal. Lo I love Reed because he likes to drop Venmo donations for his calls. The, moves you up the list. Always, always appreciated. We, we may not be patriots, but we are capitalists, that's for <laughs> sure. Hey, I said I was a patriot. Uh, okay. Let's get started with Reed, number one on the list for the Venmo donation. Thank you, Reed. Hey, Dirty Sports. It's Reed, number one West Sac Dirtball. I'm calling in for two reasons. One, I want to congratulate Andy on his team's uh, championship. That's uh, very impressive, I must admit. So, uh, congrats. And then second, my question. So, obviously, Andy doesn't have any kids on the team, but... In theory, if you guys had kids, boy or girl, or somewhere in between, uh, are there any sports that you would prefer that they play? Are there any sports you prefer that they not play? Are you even going to try and get them into sports or some other physical activity in general? I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day, and she's mentioned that while she didn't do a sport as a kid, she danced for almost her whole life. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of physical but it's not like a sport so i don't know but uh just curious what what, what sort of activities would you push your kids for or against in theory um love the show uh and uh stay safe out there bye i think this is a great question actually um i have changed as i've gotten older i wouldn't even say changed i'm pretty flexible if i have a kid they can do whatever they want I, th I think stuff that's organized is good, which obviously includes sports, but anything active, anything that's going to stimulate them mentally or physically, but not all kids are into sports, right, Joe? So like if I had a little boy or girl who wants to be in the band or ballerina, you know, whatever it is, like, I, I don't like, I, I would, I would push them to things they're interested in, but I'd also try to expose them to stuff, right? You know, like if I had a kid, I'm probably going to be taking him to sports games. And that probably would pique their interest more. But if I had a little kid and if I had a little boy and he's like, yo, man, I want to be a dancer. Cool. I'll support that. I want to play 
a saxophone, what, what, whatever it is, I'd support them. But I think I, I'm glad Reed said that because I, I think, you know, like the dancing, like that's a good one. It's not a sport, but it's something active. I think something socially involved with other people to meet other people is always good. Uh, basketball, I think, is a good one for sure. Basketball, soccer when they're younger, baseball, um, football to me when they're a little older. They start football now in the first grade, which is ridiculous to me. I don't know, but I'm pretty open to answer that question. I know I'm kind of giving a generic response, but whatever the kid wants to do, test, test them out, but you know, just be supportive of your child. I think I would push my kid the same way to like do a ton of things uh, for so long, especially like right around our age. I think it was started you know, I'm a little bit older than you, but our generation, it really started with kids getting specialized into sports. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's a terrible, terrible thing to do. I agree. If you, if you look, even the guys who are from our generation or past our generation, the, the guys who go on to be exceptional at things are guys who were really good at multiple sports. I mean, you look at obviously Tom Brady was drafted in baseball. Um, you know, Mahomes didn't even play football until whenever like the Antonio Gates types LeBron, even, I mean, Le the idea that LeBron wasn't a basketball specialist till he was like a junior in high school or senior in high school. Um, you know, like so, so many of these guys play uh, those sports. Yeah. Multiple. Play, play multiple sports. I think it's just good for you. You learn all kinds of, you know, physicality in different regards, you know, movement, spatial awareness, all this stuff. So I'm for kids just like trying a little bit of everything. Yeah. And then for me, like from a total, like I have a feeling, you know, if I have a kid that they will break towards sports just cause like I'm such a sports guy. I love playing sports, coaching sports, doing sports. You know, I love doing sports with my nephew uh, that I can totally see, them wanting to be an athlete. And, and for me, it's do a little bit of everything, narrow it down to what you like. And then also when you start to grow, I'll be able to tell you what you could excel at. Sure. Like, you know, if you're, if you're under six feet tall, you're probably not going to play in the NBA. And we're not trying to, you know, set some sort of record here. <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, but so I would think I would push my kid toward trying a little bit of everything, seeing what they like, and then being like, oh, you like basketball and you like tennis? Well, here's what you're physically probably more suited for. And at the same time, uh, I would also push my kid to for sure try individual sports. I think especially in youth sports, um, way more so than when you get to the upper levels where, you know, biggest, strongest, fastest, really excel. There's a lot of politics in youth sports. And when you're playing a solo sport, you know, best time wins, uh, best tennis player wins. Like I think the the politics of all that stuff go out to like are, are a lot harder to force on kids when it's just, you know, one man or woman versus everybody. So I push my kids toward that. And in, and in terms of, you know, not pushing my kids toward a sport, just soccer. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired. Which is funny because that's like the only sport my dad cared about. Yeah, that is funny. All right, let's get through a couple more calls. 
Hey, Dairy Sports. This is McKay Parker from Houston, Texas. Um, I just rewatched The Big Lombowski a couple nights ago. It still makes me laugh. It's one of those types of movies that could stand the last of, or could stand the rest of time. Still be funny. Uh, my question is, if The Big Lebowski was recast today, who who would you choose, and which ro- role would Tug Coker play? Uh, <laughs> thanks, guys, uh, for er, letting me call, and stay dirty. Shout out to McKay. He, you know, Ryder, he was the one who gave us tickets to the Astros game when we were down there. Yes. Pre, pre the whole scandal, when we actually liked the Astros. Yeah. Uh, the Big Lebowski is one of the greatest movies of all time. Coen Brothers, so good. What an yeah. exceptional movie. I recently rewatched it in the last year or two. It's pretty good. It's amazing. I could watch it over and over and over again. And I have watched it over and over and over again. And it's so good. And honestly, you know, the idea of recasting it is like, I don't know, because. Don't, don't ever remake that. Yeah. First of all, don't ever remake it. But, the, you know, it's so tough because Lebowski, the dude, is, you know, it's so great because played by a great actor, but not a movie star, per se. Like, it's, it's hard to think about, like, who would play that role and be able to fall into that role without being, like, you know, like, I, I feel like, um, you know, if you went to, if you went to, like, the crowd of people who are like, would be thinking about this would be like, you know, Nick Offerman or whatever. And you're like, no, you can't have somebody who's like a known product be the dude. Like that's the best part of the dude is, is like, you know, the, he didn't have a whole persona before that. Um, so yeah, just don't, don't recast this movie. But if you were gonna, if Tug was going to be in it, I think Tug plays the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman role. Yeah. Or or does Tug play? Are they Germans, the one who show up to the house? Yeah. I can I see. Was gonna say can you see either, Tug in a ponytail playing one of the Germans? Yeah. The nihilists. Yeah. Uh, I could see Tug playing that. I could see him playing the Philip Seymour Hoffman role, like just like a, you know, just kind of like a handsome version of, of, the, of the Lebowski assistant. The other thing I could see Tug doing is I could see Tug being the uh, Jackie Treehorn, the the creepy porn producer. You you think? You think that yeah. that would be a Coker role? Yeah, that'd be. A, I I feel like we could we could stretch. I feel like Tug's got some real chops. I feel like he could play the creepy. That'd be funny. Porn producer. I'm sure there's another role in there that I'm not thinking about that he would he'd be suited for. But what about uh, what's her name? What what if he played the artist? Uh, why am I forgetting her name? Red hair. Yeah. yeah, I'm forgetting her name. Too. Why are we forgetting totally. her name? Totally. She was in Boogie Nights. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Anyway, we all know who we're talking about. We, we, we all know who we're talking about. Okay, let's get uh, let's get to CT on our next call. Shout out to CT. He's uh, calling to give some love to uh, third ball sponsors. Formerly of Seattle, lifelong Seattle Kraken fan. 
I don't think you guys get enough calls about people actually using the product and positive reviews from your sponsors. So I just wanted to call in and say that, you know, I went and bought myself a minimalist golf bag after I heard it on the show. looked it up online. It looked awesome. I was in need of a new golf bag. Um, and the staff there, especially uh, this guy named AJ has been calling me, working with me on what design I want to put on there. He's been super friendly, super helpful. Um, so I'm super excited to get my golf bag. I just wanted to call in and say, hey, yeah, I, I bought one. I'm excited to and I can't wait to see what it looks like when it comes in. And dirt balls, you know, if you're a golfing, it seems like the bag for you. So just wanted to give them a shout-out because they've been super helpful in helping me uh, design that logo and uh, personalize the golf bag. So thanks, fellas. CT sponsor segment out. Yeah, guys, those are great golf bags. If you want one, go to minimalgolf.com. And thanks to CT for that. And, and, and to piggyback in general, uh, you guys using our promo code, there's no promo code for this in particular, but using our sponsors, it, it helps us. It helps us a lot. And that's just the blatant truth. Yeah. So thank you to everybody who does that. If you're looking to get something, whatever it is, like a watch today for movement or sunglasses, all that stuff helps. So all the promo codes, all the links are always in the descriptions of the podcast. That's what I mean. And I always say it. I always say it at the end of the show, keep drinking Miller light. Like it's the, the, the great thing is like, you know, if you crack a Miller light today at noon and your girlfriend or your wife or your boyfriend or your husband or your mom or your dad goes like, what are you doing? You just go, I'm helping the dirty sports podcast. Yeah. I'm helping my, they give me two podcasts a week. I'm doing my part. Yeah. And to piggyback what, uh, what, uh, CT said about the minimal golf bags, the minimal bags have also is reverting back to it's now promoting our show. Every time I take this golf bag out, somebody asks how I have a golf bag with my face on it. And I'm like, Oh, well I got this podcast and they sponsor it and blah, blah, blah. And literally today, some guy messaged me that I golf with at long on in long beach and was like, I'm going to check out your podcast. And I was like, all because I have my face on my golf bag. Pretty yeah. Awesome. It's great. So get one and put your company on it. All right, let's finish up with one last call. Hey, Joe and Andy, this is Mark Wade. I'm caller, been through ball for a little over a year now. Um, said two questions for you. I saw something on Twitter the other day, and I'd like to hear your guys' input. Fuck, Mary, kill. Trubisky, Cousins, Goff. And secondly, I was listening to an episode from 2018 on Spotify, and you and you two got into it pretty hard over Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Russell Wilson and all that. Um, I'd like to hear how many times have you guys almost killed each other? Because it sounded like during that argument, I think got pretty heated. Um, yep, that's it. Um, condoms are for the city of Philadelphia. I, I have no memory of that show. Do you? No, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm sure we've done it a few times. And I think, I think neither of us having a memory kind of says it all. Like we can get heated. It's a sports show. It's a podcast. End of the day. I mean, there'll be times maybe we'll, it'll linger and we'll diss each other or we'll have that energy. But like, I mean, 
Can you remember a time where like you legitimately were like, fuck Ruther and his takes on whatever? What's funny is, again, like I know I get the no chill brand, but like you and Maddie have beef and a podcast falls apart. You almost struck. He shall not be named. Like, I know I'm supposed to be the no chill one, but I'm more like I'm more, you know, enjoy arguing for the sake of arguing. I enjoy trolling for the sake of trolling. I like setting you off. From time to time but like i feel like you more than me have like gone beyond the point of art like you and maddie didn't talk for a while yeah you're right obviously we've mended that mad and maddie like you know maddie's mr uh, like cry about it on the internet and whatever but like even to this day like i have no problem with maddie goldberg whatsoever i just love poking him you're gonna... no, I, maddie goldberg and i are have never had any beef whatsoever we're nothing but friends now he may have had beef with me but like a, a, you know just the fact that his you know favorite quarterback and his favorite team are like cheaters that like i like and I, this is I, why I this is I why he hold, has beef with you taking i a don't dig. hold that against maddie at taking all taking a dig taking I'm a dig saying, i'm just saying like i'll say that but like that this will have this has no effect on my relationship with Maddie. I think what you do though is I think you act like you're not annoyed at times, but you are. Where people like myself and Maddie might just be a little more open when people get to us. I think you, maybe you hold I, it in a little more. I mean, annoyed is one thing, but I'm also like we're doing a sports show. Sure. You know? No, I agree. I mean, for his for his actual point of that discussion, I, yeah. I at the end of the day. I mean, come on. There's a lot more important things to worry about. We might get into it on the show. We might get heated about different discussions, but no. Yeah, nothing, nothing too serious. Okay, so his first part, Joe, it was a fuck, Mary kill, Trubisky. It's really hard. Goff and Cousins. Yeah. That is a tough one. I'm going to marry Cousins because he looks like the type of guy who would cook for me and bake cookies. Now, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we doing are we doing fuck, marry, kill them as human beings or are we doing fuck, marry, kill them as like quarterbacks? I was going human beings. That's yeah, why I, I know that. I got that. You're you're talking about Kirk Cousins baking for you. I, I was taking this more of a question of like long term quarterback short-term quarterback cut this guy yeah wow because i was about to get graphic sexually too i know i think a guy like mitch a guy with a name who's named mitch seems like a guy you want to roll around with just one time like okay no i think goff would if if we're going to keep it as people goff would be a bottom so he's a bitch and uh i'll kill trubisky now, if we're going to play quarterback game. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is the only part of this I'm going to wait in on. So, okay. I'll let you do your thing first and then I'll do my thing. I'm going to say, uh, God, long term. It's for me, it's going to be cousin, sadly. I'm going to uh, kill Trubisky again. He gets killed twice. And then I'll it's same thing. I'm the yeah. same thing. Yeah. And then I'll and then Goff's Goff's the person I'm banging. 
I am going to fuck in quarterback sense, Kirk Cousins, because now we're talking about a one-time thing. And, you know, maybe that one time is against a team that's terrible. And Kirk Cousins has more upside against a terrible team. And maybe it's a bad, but like, I'll take my chance. I hate Kirk Cousins in a Mary situation. I hate Kirk Cousins as a long-term solution, but like he might give you one good game. So yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm not a golf fan, but at the same time, golf has shown signs. I'm going to take, I'm going to marry golf as a, I don't know what he's going to give me, but I've seen him at his best and it's better than Kirk cousins at his best. And I also think we know what Kirk is it know, statistically. It's not statistically. Well, statistically I'm talking about at its best. Like we've had uh, Jared Goff has been to a super bowl. Jared Goff has been the general of a great offense. <laughs> Kirk uh, Jared Goff has more playoff wins than Kirk cousins. Jared Goff's been in the league for fucking five seasons. Uh, so I'll take, I'll take my chances of figuring out Jared Goff long-term. Cause I think we know what Kirk cousins looks like long-term at this point, And it's not good. And then Mitchell Trubisky's Mitchell Trubisky throw him in the garbage. Yeah. And honestly, I like, I considered, you know, a, a romp with Trubisky and trashing Kirk cousins. But I think that as much as I hate Kirk cousins, it's a little offensive to him to say he's the worst of these three for sure. Yeah. But I will for sure take Goff long-term over Kirk Cousins. Interesting. I wouldn't. I, I, you know, I'm curious. Goff doesn't, his safety. Multiple teams have married Kirk Cousins at this point. How's it going? Well, true, but that was going to be my point. I mean, the, the Rams the, were engaged to Jared Goff. The and safety. He him, and he got him to a Super Bowl. But the safety net for Goff was always Sean McVay. Let's see how he does on a dumpster fire Detroit Lions organization. Right. But to be fair, I mean, Cousins, Kirk, Kirk Cousins has been on the Vikings. What has he? He's been on the Vikings and he's won a playoff. Okay. I'm not saying it's impressive. He took a dumpster fire Redskins to the playoffs. He lost. No way Jared Goff sniffs the playoffs, in my opinion. I'd be shocked. I think Jared Goff's career is done. I'm willing to go that far. And 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 also, I mean, we had Kirk Cousins in the division. Like, the idea that he didn't win the division last year with the Packers in the division is like, okay, Trubisky made the playoffs last year. True. Much better defense, though. Uh, the hotline is 310-359-8365. Give us a ring. We're going to have a lot more time now without NFL. So bring us your hot takes, whatever they are, sports, not sports. You want to talk flag? You want to talk anthem? You want to talk sponsors? You want to talk, talk flag? You want to talk anthem? You want to talk flag and anthem? <laughs> Speaking of sponsors, former sponsor. Once again, 310-359-8365. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Dirty Sports. Drop an iTunes review. If you don't have an iTunes, if you don't have Instagram or Twitter, you can uh, you can still drop a review for the record. 
just uh, send me an email, andyruther45 at gmail.com, and I will get those koozies out to you in the mail. Joey. At Joe Prano on all things except for Twitter. I'm at Fix Your Life. Uh, check out that Bachelor podcast. Get a cameo for one of your loved ones. And uh, I'm over here. Like Andy said, if you want to call and talk any of those things, we're here for it. I'm here holding, crossing my fingers that uh, the NBA's decision to go full patriotic doesn't lead to full idiotic. I hope they don't see that terrible rating spin that the downspin that the, the Super Bowl took. I don't, by the way, I think people are blaming the woke on the Super Bowl. Oh, are they? Because I didn't even know there was any woke Super Bowl. Did we do anything woke for the Super Bowl this year? We had we have five patriotic songs prior to the game. Did we the do com- the commercials? Oh, the oh, people knew the commercials going in and therefore didn't tune in. Look, I look, I, look, I'm just saying what I see. I, but but what, by the way, what, what were the page? What were the woke commercials? There were some. I don't remember. The, to, to me, real quick, there's nothing more cringeworthy than forced diversity. Does that make sense? Sure. I'm all for diversity. I'm talking like forced diversity. To me, it's just. Oh, I've 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 always said there's more interracial couples and commercials. Than oh my god! In the entire world, my buddy and I were keeping track one NFL Sunday. Again, this isn't to knock interracial couples because at this point, I to be honest, I don't know how much I can handle white women. I've said this. Uh, <laughs> Like, like you, you really are the bane of all the bullshit woke. It's always white women. It really is. Sorry, white women, but it's you. Uh, we were keeping track one NFL Sunday this year. I think I forget what we had a streak, five or six commercials in a row. It was every, and you know what it always is the, the woke thing. Now I've noticed is it's always the, the white dad and the black mom. Not that that doesn't exist, but in public, you would see normally the opposite. I don't know, man. They try too hard. Just fucking just be just be. That's all. That's all it is, guys. Let's not judge anything by its color. Let's. uh... I just say, you know, like I said, we've been doing the anthem for a while and ratings just keep slipping at some point. You know, we just got to get off this. We just got to get off the idiotic patriotic. Like, guys, it's not working unless you want football. To crumble unless you want to have to start you know kissing the ass of china to make football work for us get off this it's cr- it's cr- it's crippling your ratings well at the end of the day i'll leave it on this the crippled ratings they're still top dog like it's like that's a joke andy I'm, I'm totally being sarcastic no i know you are i know you are but 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 i'm just saying that to people who aren't picking up like the nfl is still is still just in such uh, command as far as versus other other sports, as far as the share they get. All right, guys, that's the show. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Learn how to drive a car in the snow if you haven't already. That includes myself. <laughs> From this guy who got stuck twice this week. I know, it's a joke. If you have an SUV in your garage, take it out. Don't be a hero. I got a tweet mid-show, by the way, from... Uh, Longtime dirtball Chris Vesiento from Indianapolis. He said, as your neighbor in India experiencing the same snow, my... 2018 Corolla handles it just fine. Sounds like it's a me problem. Yeah. Sounds like it's an Andy problem, not a Corolla problem. I'll work on it. All right, guys, have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday. And as always, stay dirty.